Yo, 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 it's your boy DJ Academics. Welcome to another episode of Off The Record Podcast. Man, it's Thanksgiving, and I got the goddamn itis, all right? Listen, I just came from my mama's house. Actually, my aunt's house. We had Thanksgiving dinner over there, but I know you guys probably didn't expect an episode from me, but I had to come on here and give y'all some content as per usual. Now, uh, the reason why I'm definitely doing this, and by the way, Spotify told me, they said, yo, Ack, you could have took a break, okay? They're not trying to slave me out, okay? They said, Ack. Holidays, we understand you want to spend some time with your family. You know how to produce content three times a week. Every week, you could take a break. Just let us know. And I said, no, I want to keep talking to the audience because I believe we're building something great. Now, first and foremost, I want to send out, you know, my thank yous um, for the last three months, right? You know, we started on September 20th. We released a pilot episode before that went super viral. 6ix9ine and Whack, we've had so many guests that's came through, whether it's in L.A., Miami, here or otherwise, you know, we've been on the move. Shit, I did an episode at Soldier Boy's Crib in Calabasas. But one of the first people who I have to send a thank you to is obviously the audience, okay? You guys are, like, just amazing in terms of supporting me whatever I do, whether it was a green room episode with Ian Dior or it was just honestly just supporting every time we were trying to work out kinks, either with audio, with the space, with the set, um, some of you guys don't like the receptionist desk. Some of you guys like this. Some, some of you guys like when I shoot Miami. Some of you guys just like when I'm like on location. It's all good. I want to thank all y'all for that. And again, this is a work in progress. And the second person I got to thank because of that is Spotify. You know, Spotify, I believe that, you know, even though they say no, um, I believe they took a chance on me in terms of, you know, aligning themselves with someone who, a lot of people would consider controversial. You know, clearly they're dominant in the podcast space, but these days where conversation is limited and also people are, you know, they get mad or getting their feelings about a lot of stuff, like a lot of people don't want to get around people who might be unfiltered and opinionated and also just have certain POVs that might challenge or might upset other people. I'm going to be honest with you, we had a long conversation before I ever got into this contract with Spotify and they're like, yo, act, we want you to be you. And I respect that. That's one of the reasons why I'm here as opposed to anywhere else. And um, not only that, they gave me the opportunity to create what my vision was. You know, they believed in me not only as a content creator, but they believed in me as someone who they feel could produce my own content, make my own content. They want to come to my world, not something where they're like, hey, your only talent, shut up and talk and sh shut up when we cut the camera off. Okay, so they basically allowed me to do whatever I wanted. And I like that. Okay, the third person or third uh, group of people I got to thank is the people behind the scenes. Got my man Leaf over in the corner. You know, he's like, it's hard to like give him a title because he does everything, not only for the podcast, but just outside of that for me. But um, he's very instrumental in the podcast, the brand, and um, other people as well in terms of making this happen, whether it's, you know, people who have helped out with photography, with graphic design, with set design, you know, um, people who have helped out as interns and people who have helped out as PAs. Amazing people. I thank them. You know, this is one of the most challenging things for me because I'm realizing that even though I kind of blew up in a way where, yeah, I don't think, uh, like, I remember going to Complex, and I'll give the, this quick story. I know I'm tangent, man, so it's all good. I remember going to Complex when they first ever hit me up it was weighing on my mind. I said, should I even take this meeting? Because I knew Complex was looking at me as a competitor. Except I remember at that time on YouTube, I was doing about 30 million v 
views per month, and they were doing about like 22. And I remember when I had the meeting with them, they were so intrigued about my operation, how I did things, and also why I was succeeding. And I remember walking to this office, and I went upstairs, and it was like one of these big offices. I believe now the MLB, which is baseball, Major League Baseball, they, they own pretty much the whole building. It's across the street from Radio City Music Hall. And I went in there as a wide-eyed YouTuber that was trying to get to a point that when people talked about me, they wouldn't just say, oh, that's a YouTuber. I wanted to be up there with the greats. You know, I looked up to people like Charlemagne Star, Wendy Williams, and I said, man, I want my name to actually be in that conversation. And, you know, as great as people were kind of giving me props for being a very dominant, successful YouTuber, there was a lot more I felt I had to accomplish. So, you know, I took a meeting with them, and I remember going into that building, and I was like, damn, let's see what this is about. And I walked out the elevator and pretty much into, like, pretty much a bullpen area, and it was just all cubicles. We had about, like, 400 people working there. It was two different floors. Uh, it was, like, the ninth and the 10th floor. And I just remember kind of being a little bit intimidated because I'm like, damn, what the fuck they want with me? They got, like, 400 people here. And I remember having a meeting with, you know, um, I believe he works at Def Jam now. His name is Noah. And there was a couple other people. I believe uh, um, a guy from Sneaker Shopping was there. Um, what's his name again? Oh, JLP was there. My man Chops was there. And I remember they asked me, they're like, yo, because they were very intrigued about how I was doing this on YouTube. They said, how many people work for you? And at that time, I promise you, I did everything myself. You know, I was sleeping probably not regular hours. I still don't do that, but, like, I was probably sleeping maybe three to four hours a day. And I remember when they asked me that, I felt a need to tell them something that made me seem official. And I remember saying, oh, I got, like, four to, no, I, I said, I got, I got, like, six to seven people because they had 400. But in reality, um, that's not really toot my own horns. It's really just kind of shout out to the people who have supported me along this, you know, journey, which, you know, sometimes I call it chat niggas. Some people call it my audience. Some people have less than, you know, respectable names for that group. But, like, you guys have supported me. And it made me realize walking into Complex, and especially even at the time, you know, I still have a great relationship with them. But even leaving Everyday Struggle three and a half years later, I realized, man, the reason why I had those people in the palm of my hands or even listening to me and, trying to figure out, like, yo, act, we, we respect what you've done, so we want to do things accordingly that makes you happy. It's because of the audience. So um, th that's just one of the the, the things I kind of just learned. But also I learned coming out of that that no man's an island. So I think I was um, thanking the people behind the scenes. But, you know, um, I want I want to thank everybody who has been the background that's made this possible. Also, I got to thank... I got to give thanks to um, my team in terms of, you know, my business people, in terms of um, my lawyer, my agent. You know, I, I, I used to be, like, I was so independent. I hated agents. I hated lawyers. I hated anything that, because all I would think about, this person getting this part of your money, this person, whatever, whatever. But I also realized that one thing that I sucked at, they were good at. And that was solely, you know, networking, connecting dots, getting shit done. You know, um, 
my lawyer and my agent, they brought they brought to me a bunch of, you know, um, conversations and deals that were in the podcast space after I told them I wanted to do it. And I remember my agent bringing, I remember the whole time I was meeting with a bunch of people, I was like, man, I want to get with Spotify. I want to get with Spotify. I want to get with Spotify. But they weren't calling at the time. And it was, it, it took about four months. And I remember the day when my agent texted me and my lawyer and he said, hey, listen, I had a conversation with somebody from Spotify. They're down to have a call. I probably didn't sleep the night because I wanted to be on that 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 you know Zoom call being the best version of myself, and again, it, it, obviously in that space, it was you know just to give people some kind of clarity on that. Um, was that successful already? Yes, you know, like it's not like I was some starving dude trying to get it, but what I've always aimed to do and be is like be bigger and get to a point where. I, I go down in history as not just somebody who did content, but somebody who directed the entire, who, who was responsible for um, changing the entire direction of just hip-hop media. So um, getting with Spotify, obviously a lot of complex at that time. Um, other, you know, situations that I've had um, throughout the mix and also even me pitching shows are all part of that. And again, by the way, if you haven't noticed, this is a thank you episode, right? Um it's 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 all contributed to the story, um, so I want to thank those people for like connecting dots. I'm learning how to have a team. I'm like so hands on. Ask Leaf. Like I'm hands on to the point in everything I do that it, it's hard for me to just tell or let somebody be like, oh, okay, I know this and 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 I'm not involved as much. So, but I'm learning. I'm learning as I go. Um, yeah, I think that's about. All the thank yous I kind of got to give. I think I got to thank God as well. Thank God and my family, you know. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, I got to thank my mom. Yo, um, I, I gave my mom a, a really great gift yesterday. It was just something really sentimental. And by the way, for the for all the things I've ever given my mom, like I know the sentimental thing like meant way more. So uh, on the salute to my, my family, my mom, like I wish my mom didn't like, you know, um, see everything I do online or see what everybody says about me, right? But, like, you know, she's at she's at the position where, like, she she's rooting for her son, but it's also some of those things I'm like, Mom, you can't be looking at these type of, like, this is not the wave. But anyway, you know, uh, I, I want to thank family because I know the person I am, the brand I have, the polarizing effect that um, that also is a byproduct of me being me, for somebody to be a friend, um, a significant other, um, a family member, or whoever else that's associated with me, they probably go through a lot that I don't know about. So I don't think, uh, just say thanks to them. But anyway, I'm not going to be here all soppy this whole time. Okay. Um, I did actually want to talk about a few things. And um, the first thing actually was, you know, and I'll even give this story a little bit more light. If you ask why I went to Spotify, I went to Spotify after I had a series of questions answered that made me feel comfortable. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about a lot of these other things that would clearly be enticing to most people. Knowing who I am, Knowing things that's happened in the past, I remember it was such a shitty feeling when I was with Complex, 
And if people didn't know, Complex was going through their own thing with, like, you know, um, like, there was a bunch of workers there that was accusing Complex and specifically their HR guy and a few other people in the system of, like, being insensitive to women and kind of also sexually harassing them in, in, in a sort of way, right? And the company was, like, getting hammered by it. Now, at that time, Complex, which, by the way, I think they're now bought by, like, BuzzFeed or about to be bought by BuzzFeed. At that time, they're owned by Verizon Hearst. And they're going through getting hammered. Everybody's so scared of this cancel culture, like this company that's worth $600 million or whatever it was worth at the time. They're looking at, like, how the heck do we escape this? So they're not really trying to put out statements to take accountability because, of course, if you, if, if you as a company, I think we've seen that with Vice to a certain extent. They put out certain, you know, things to try to, like, address whatever was going on with them. And it was pretty much almost like grand opening, grand closing. Like, people were just like, all right, bet. Since y'all admitted it, everybody's just right. So Complex was kind of trying to play it slick. But there was these articles popping up from either, you know, anonymous employees or former employees. And right then, I'm, I'm on my fucking Twitch, lit off some Henny. And I remember the whole Chrissy Teigen thing happens. And I remember saying the B word to Chrissy Teigen, or I called her that. And I'm going to be honest with you, like, because of conversations I've had on the show, because of rhetoric and conversations I've had or how I talk outside the show, didn't think it was a big deal. But Twitter took that, and I actually, I think I was beefing. I think I think Freddie Gibbs was also in the mix. Again, that's another reason I'm like that nigga, man. They built it up, and I remember, like, somehow people asked Complex, like, what are you going to do? And... um essentially me and them had a meeting and they basically said, Ak, what do you want to do? Because this is a serious issue. Now the whole time I'm looking at this, like even at its worst, it's like the Spider-Man meme. Like nigga, y'all are asking me what I'm going to say about some shit or how y'all are saying, how y'all going to deal with this issue with me when y'all are ducking the issues that people have accused y'all of. But 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 I realized they served me up to the fucking you know, the mob, like you know I ha- I I didn't have to apologize, but I I chose to because it wasn't that serious to me, like you know what I mean? It wasn't like I was like I'm beefing beefing with this chick, like it was it was some comments I made in the heat of the moment, and um, they were like, hey, are you down to apologize? And I was like, I'll do it. They're like, hey, we're gonna suspend you for two days, and I just thought it was just like, damn, this is what number one cancer culture has done it's turning like organizations and by the way keep in mind when complex was essentially getting canceled they're getting canceled because of the whole joe bunch they getting canceled i remember i'm there and i'm putting my best effort and my best foot forward i remember they, like we had meetings because they thought i was gonna leave with joe and after talking to everybody there like i went against everybody on public perception and what people thought i should have done Everyone's like, no, you got to ride behind Joe. And I said, that's not the right move for me and for the people that was there. And I said, I'm staying at Complex. I took heat. The show took heat. But nobody cared. Again, back to the situation. When Complex got to the same situation, they were ducking the smoke. They just served me up like, yo, sacrifice this dude. And it told me one thing. It, it said, the level of partnership you thought you had with this company, that's not it. And I really say that to kind of transition into this Dave Chappelle thing. And maybe it's like, you know, these days people are looking 
people are looking um in terms of yo Dave Chappelle has made Netflix so much money that even when the LGBTQ plus community feels like super upset and super triggered at stuff that he said, they're like, you know what? We're not agreeing with him, but he did this, he did, he did what they're called art, which is our comedy. And if you don't like it, you probably should just not tune in, but we're not going to take it off our platform. And I've been watching like the fallout to it because it's really the first instance that we've seen any company put up like a challenge to like quote unquote cancel culture. And it's ironically that is it's for Dave Chappelle. Um, and it's also ironic that it's Netflix because previously, um, you know, I think Dave Chappelle and Netflix just have like a really good relationship. By the way, I think they realize the power of Dave Chappelle. So like I'm, I'm actually trying to extrapolate this whole, whole issue. Dave Chappelle, I'm wondering if cancer culture is at the teetering point of getting the fuck you from everybody. Or is just Dave Chappelle. I, I was listening to, you know, last night, Stephen Colbert, he was talking about it. By the way, if you don't know, he still hosts a show on a major um, TV station. And he was commenting on the Chappelle shit. And, like, he was very measured in how he was talking about it. He didn't want to blast Chappelle, but he definitely wasn't backing him up. And for his thing, he was just like, hey, I can't tell people. If people are offended, this and third. I, I can't tell them how to be offended, blah, blah. So, he, he, like, you could tell he ain't want no smoke. You know, I, I looked at... um. Kevin Hart, and Kevin Hart gave comments about um, Dave Chappelle basically saying, I back him up as a friend, and also Kevin Hart himself got kicked off of hosting the Oscars because of some old-ass tweets. So, you know, like, cancer culture has affected him, but, like, you know, maybe because he's seen a minor W for um, his friend Dave Chappelle, he's like, yo, I'm going to support him as well. But I think we're all in this interesting place to see what the fuck is going to happen. And um, I think I am too because, it, like, these days, you can't really say shit. You know what I mean? Like, certain jokes, you can't really even get into. Like, um, recently, McConan. McConan, and, and, you know, he did say I started it. I'm, I'm, I'll give you the history of it, right? So, McConan, if you don't know, he's a homosexual rapper. He used to be popping. He dropped a song called Tuesday with Sign of Drake, OVO. Got dropped. Haven't been really seen or been on the scene. Um... And a lot of people call him a one-hit wonder, right? Now, I believe, and, and, and let me see if I could jog my memory, because he said I started, which I think I kind of did, but inadvertently, right? So he tweeted out, yo, I started this gay shit. That was his tweet, verbatim. I started this, this gay shit. And I was like, I think I posted it, and I was like, yo, I was like, yo, I think, I was like, it, it, is he is he commenting at Lil Nas X? Because we all know right now the person who's kind of waving the LGBTQ plus flag is Lil Nas X, right? He's doing it currently. And we know that McConan, when he kind of came out of the, you know, quote, quote, the closet or came out to admit he's gay, he never got that support. So I put the caption and be like, yo, is he talking about Lil Nas X? And, like, he just went off on me. You get me? Now, here's the, here's the funny thing about him going off on me. Because, by the way, I get into spats with all type of rappers and people. He goes off on me, and he's using some of the derogative slurs that me, as a straight individual, can't use. You know what I mean? He's, he's using an F word. 
he's basically accusing me of, you know, and it's one of those things that, like, I just felt it was a trap, right? right? And by the way, you know, to, full, to make the story even full, um, young boy called me later because I, I blasted him. But young boy called me, which is NBA young boy. Yeah, he, I don't know how they have some type of ties, but he, young boy called me and he said, yo, 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 say act. Like, yeah, he got, like, this very, like, calm voice, but it's so Louisiana. He's like, say act. He's like, yo, I want you to do me a favor. So I'm thinking he, he's going to be like, yo, act. Because he's asked me, like, yo, can I, like, hop on your Instagram to preview news guard? Something like that. I thought it was going to be like that before, right? He was like, yo, he's like, yo, I understand if you say no and everything. And I'm like, wait, what is he talking about now? He's like, yo, he said, I just feel like you should apologize to, to McConan. I'm like, what? And and he kind of broke it down in terms of why he thought so, but he said this, right? And by the way, he also said, I don't care if you tell people that I made this request, right? He said, yo, I grew up listening to McConan's music a bit. It helped inspire me to get into music, you know, and... Because of that, I think he was just trying to say some of the shit you said was hurtful. And, you know, like, it's one of those things where I fuck with young boy and really I'm, it's, it's not like I'm really beefing with this guy. So I'm like, yo, all right, whatever. Anyway, also I saw McConey, he was off social media. So I apologized to him. Also, I never really wanted to beef with him. Because, like, I'm beefing with my hands tied behind each other. And, and let me take the word beef and kind of deconstruct it. What I mean beef is, like, I'm responding. We all have, like, like if you're going back and forth with someone, we're calling it beef, but, like, first, it's kind of like a war of words. It's kind of like high school. Like, it's kind of like roasting each other a little bit, right? This dude, I felt like, you know, he was baiting me into, into not only defending myself against the— he's using homophobic slurs against me, right? He's baiting me into defending myself. But if I defend myself and say certain stuff, I'm putting myself up to be canceled. You get me? So anyway, uh, I just basically apologize because I'm like, yo, it's it's kind of a no-win situation. And also, yeah, I fuck with young boy. And I think he still went on to say, yo, act is this, act is that. Which, by the way, McCona, I have no issue with you. Um, I'm going to just leave that there. But it's really for the bigger point that I brought that story up in terms of like, you know, kind of cancel culture dictating how everybody feels and how everybody moves. You know, um, watching what Netflix did, I think, and I hope set some type of precedence, not not that we or I want to see people get, you know, like you're offensive to the point that you're disrespecting a certain group of people who have been oppressed or who have been, you know, that they've been through a lot, like the LGBTQ plus community. No. But, like, free speech to some extent, especially when you know, like, it's not supposed to be, like, encouraging hate or some other stuff, which that's divi divisive speech or um, hateful speech, I would say. Like, if somebody's saying, yo, go hurt somebody of a particular group, I agree with canceling that person or just saying, yo, you got to deplatform that person, right? But that's not what he's saying. He's making a joke. But that's why I remember being on Andrew Schultz's show, which, by the way, salute to my man Andrew Schultz from Flavor 2 Podcast. I remember kind of asking him, and I've asked him in subsequent conversations, yo, Andrew, how do I get like you? Now, they do a Flagrant 2 Podcast where they, they're wild. They make fun of everybody. Andrew's white. He makes fun of black dudes. He makes fun of fat dudes. 
bald-headed dudes, Asians. He makes fun of Muslims, Christians. He makes fun of everyone. And maybe it's just the name of the show, but shit, my shit is called Off the Record, which is kind of like, this is kind of supposed to be locker room talk in a way, right? But the bigger picture is, and I guess it's a little bit less of what Chappelle was, was even doing. The bigger picture is simply what Andrew Schultz, and, I, and even to the extent of Dave Chappelle getting defended, when you do comedy, Unlike anything else, it's kind of allowed for you to do some of these things. You know what I mean? Like, for example, I've seen people like Ebro. Ebro made a comment about um, Tanache's hair, right? Uh, or not hair. Was it written? No, it was, her, it was a name. It was a name. So um, I guess it was like an old interview, which, by the way, I hate the fact that people just keep bringing up old stuff. I'm like, hey, this is an old interview of blah, blah, blah. And like, you're like forced to apologize, right? So they brought it up, and by the way, everybody knows I'm not that cool with Ebro. Like me and him, we've butted heads a bunch of times. But I'm I'm also not of I'm not a fan of the mob in terms of the witch hunt mob. So they're mad at him because when he first met her and someone said her name, he said Tanache. That sounds like a ghetto name. Now, obviously, it's not a ghetto name. It's actually a name that has some Zimbabwean. I think I'm saying that that word right. Um, meaning right so so like i don't know if it, i don't even know what particular language but it has some meaning it's not ghetto it's tribal if anything it's cultural and he made a comment that obviously is ignorant but i believe he was trying to be funny he was trying to be like oh that's a ghetto name trying to evoke laughter and clearly he's not a comedian even though there's certain things i would argue that whether it's him me charlemagne joe budden other people in the media landscape you're trying to crack a joke, but I believe if that was a comedian, there's no backlash because you're not a comedian, there is. Again, essentially, just to make the point and wrap this whole thing up, cancer culture, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's at the point where not only more companies are willing to just kind of stand up and defend against it, but also um, where we realize like it's gotten so diluted that it's lost its actual purpose. You know, like people, people like you know R. Kelly to to an extent, right? Or let's just say R. Kelly, right? R. Kelly, um, who else? Bill Cosby, right? It, it it was supposed to take away the power and quote unquote cancel people who otherwise you couldn't do anything to stop, and they were monsters. You know, these are people who are you know actual pedophiles. These are people who have allegedly raped people. These are people who have done certain things that you know they would never be held accountable for if the audience and the mass public didn't put pressure on organizations or whoever they were in business with to say, you have to make an example out of this person. So that's what it was for. But then it became, yo, let's cancel anybody who says something I don't like. Let's cancel somebody for making a joke that I think is tasteless. Let's cancel somebody for being ignorant. I think that's just whack. You know what I mean? Again, if you're going to, um, and I think, by the way, that's where also the Me Too movement lost its luster a little bit. Like, it was supposed to get out some real motherfuckers who was kind of doing shit that people would either not believe the victim or they were so high up on the power rank, people couldn't even, like, give these stories any type of day of light. 
But then it became, yo, listen, man, this nigga ain't called me back after he fucked. Me too. Like, it just became everything. So, like, you know, it's kind of cheapened in a way. So that's just what I think. I, so, I, I, you know, I came on here and I criticized what um, Dave Chappelle is doing because I don't think that the comedy he's doing is funny, really, at all. I think he's doing a lot of... He's he's doing social commentary and pushing lines. And I think it's more about him standing on something more than him trying to be funny. Because, again, I'm not saying a comedian can't talk about some real shit and be funny. But I be watching Dave Chappelle shit, and I'm not even laughing. But I'm like, he got a point the whole time. I do that a lot, not with comedians, though. I do that a lot. Like, I'm used to comedians using tactics of either bullying, disrespecting people, or just joking about random shit just to get a laugh. Where Dave Chappelle is not that. It's just he has a point of view, and it does make sense, and I think he's just kind of using his platform, which we internationally know is comedy, to kind of get that off. Anyway, um, I felt like that was a long monologue, but it's all good. Anyway, uh, I do want to say, since I kind of started off on some, like, serious topics, Yo, somebody has to please tell this motherfucker, Will Smith, to please stop doing interviews. Will Smith did some, so he released like this, like, um, I think it's a book, or like, you know, but but he's done also interviews, and like just some of the details in there, it reminded me why niggas like Will Smith operated and lived under the vice or the veil of what the old celebrity um, ideology was like, which is keep that mystique. I was down to look at Will Smith as a fresh prince until recently. This motherfucker can't keep telling us about the shit he really used to do that we never saw. And now, the more and more I look at him, I I'm gonna lie, I kid you not, I cut off Fresh Prince the other day. I I, I can't even look at him the same. So in this um. I believe the book or some interview, he came out and said that after a previous girlfriend, I don't think he was talking about Jada, um, but at that time it was he was with a girl and I guess she had cheated. He said he started running through hoes. He was fucking everything and everybody like within a 50-mile 50, 50 radius and it began to mentally affect him to where he couldn't have an orgasm or the thought of an orgasm actually made him want to throw up. And it's shit like this that I'm like, yo, listen, I get it. You know, I'm not, you know, um, ignoring the fact that Will Smith himself probably got some trauma and shit like that. But why the fuck he keep letting us know all this stuff, man? Like, I really don't know. I think he should tell us to a therapist. I don't know why he's putting this out for public consumption. Like, you know, obviously the life he's lived, the relationship that he's in, like, even how they've allowed their kids to grow up to the environment that they, they claim they love or they're used to, nobody could relate to that shit. I don't, know why, I don't know why he keeps doing it. So I don't know why he keeps, like, bringing that to light, you know, um, especially if he's also admitting in these situations where, you know, he said he was so jealous of what public perception of Tupac was back in the day, right? So, like it would cause him to, you know, feel a certain type of way about, like, even the friendship between Jada and Tupac. And maybe he's just a healed motherfucker, but I just can't understand why the fuck he keeps telling us this shit. You know what I mean? I, I just think it's, it's kind of embarrassing at this point. 
And I think everything that I've heard from Jada makes her look like a boss. Like, she's always playing him. I've never heard anything that makes it look like she... It's never made her look a little weird. So that's why I just can't understand. So, you know, maybe, maybe he's going through some some real shit that we don't understand or maybe, like, publicly venting is, is a thing, which, you know, obviously my pain don't matter at that point. But for the sake of me being a fan and public perception, man, I want to stop hearing these cuck stories by Will Smith. I don't want to hear how you can't pleasure or satisfy your wife. I don't want to hear about your throwing up because you're thinking about busting a nut. I want to hear about you. You were fucking threatened by by, by um, Tupac when it came to your wife. Like I don't want to hear that shit. Like we're looking at you as Fresh Prince, and um, what other movie that's mad dope that we look at? Was Independence Day? Yeah, I, I robot, but he wasn't doing nothing with no like woman in it. Like I'm talking about, like he, he came across like the cool dude. Like he was a cool dude that was clean cut enough that didn't have to be thugged out a gangster. But now when I look at it, I'm like, yo, this shit was all a facade. Like we, and by the way, that's definitely, that's probably on my side because I'm, I'm trying to have him per, uh, um, keep an image that he's clearly saying, nigga, that was not me. But I would rather him do that and just shut the fuck up and ride into the sunset. I don't know, man, but Will, please stop it, brother. Please stop it. I mean, on, on, on a lesser note, I really think, what we're going to find out, but I think we're finding out now, is that uh, Kanye's on some Will Smith shit. You know, in a little bit of a type of way. Kanye, every time we hear him these days, he kind of just seems, you know, and by the way, I love Ye, but like, he seems a little bit unhinged. You know, um, recently, apparently, they were going through a divorce. You know, we saw like a bunch of filings back and forth that they were going through a divorce, but also we saw... And this is why it's confusing to, like, us fans. And by the way, we're judging people's relationships, but it's not like we're fucking going to investigate. These people are also marketing their relationships. They're pushing our face. So it also, as much as I would be like, this ain't our business, it kind of is. You know what I mean? Like, these motherfuckers have promoted this shit a lot. Like, for example, Kanye, when it came to Donda, we heard about a divorce. Then we see Kim K in a wedding dress. So many people assume that, yo, they were kind of, like, bringing it back together, except... All of a sudden now we see her with Pete Davidson, man. I'm I'm really repulsed for Kanye, but I think Kanye is getting I think he's getting the Will Smith treatment a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, um Kim K now compared to Kim K when he got with her is two different people. You know, I, I I've told people like I have the utmost respect for what Kim K is doing these days. She's putting her name reputation, she's going to bat for people on death row. She's trying to get people pardoned. She's as active as anybody in the prison reform system in trying to talk, trying to use whatever leverage she has as a celebrity and whatever power to talk to the people who are actually in power, whether it's the president, whether it's someone who could change a law, whether it's someone who could lobby on, on the behalf of someone who's not getting a fair chance. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I definitely don't even look at Kim K in terms of, her past and how she was looked at as like, oh, the chick who broke onto the scene with some sex tape. I look at her like a boss. Like, you know what I mean? There's so many people who have gotten that type of stature. And once they're like these divas that kind of like are, you know, at least in fans' mind, whether it's from singing or whatever else, acting or whatever, people just think like, oh, they're, they're bigger than life. These motherfuckers don't do shit, especially in the social realm. They sit back, disappear because they're rich as fuck. 
they definitely, you know, and by the way, not to say they don't probably silently do some things, but they're not putting their name and reputation on the line and speaking up on behalf of people as much as I see Kim K doing. So I got to, I got to give her some credit. And that's why like it's changed the whole perception of how I would view it. But anyway, I do think that kind of goes into the fact that, man, she probably look at Kanye very different now. You know what I mean? Like I think when Kanye started acting a little crazy, and by the way, he's always done that. Like Kanye was crazy right before he met her when he ran up on stage and grabbed the mic from Taylor Swift. Kanye was crazy at the VMAs when they were there and he he basically took over the whole um, broadcast basically saying that he don't like the respect that his, you know, I don't know if it was his wife at the time, I think it was his wife, his wife was getting in, blah, blah, these are modern, like, he was told by the Kardashian family, like, they were, like, royalty, like, it was Princess Diana or some shit, right? He basically has been doing things you would consider crazy, it just depends on one part of the aisle you're on. When he was on videos saying, yo, George Bush don't care about black people, we ain't say it was crazy, because he was on our side, right? When he, even when he, when he did what he did to Taylor Swift, we thought he was on the side of culture, once we started this, start seeing the stuff with Kim, and I, and I guarantee Kim didn't think he was crazy when he was going to bat for her. You didn't think he was crazy, right? It's only when you start seeing him doing things he you disagree with. And that's why I understand why, you know, he was saying it a lot. How do y'all love me, but y'all only love me when I do what y'all want? You know, like, y'all love me for allegedly being a free spirit, but y'all only love me when the free spirit in this is doing some shit that you approve of. Right, it's the same Kanye who would say on on a broadcast that George George Bush don't care about black people. It's gonna be the same Kanye who's essentially gonna be rocking a, a red hat, meeting with Donald Trump. Also, then just like you know, taking the the whole stage of, hey, we got a free Larry Hoover. There's been a lot of people in music and rap they ain't been saying that, right? So again. Everything with Kanye has kind of led up to like these moments, but I, but I see everybody who, you know, when he's doing things that are, that are conveniently beneficial to them, they fuck with him. But as soon as he does some other shit, you know, and that's why I understand the Big Sean shit. I understand why you kind of got to get a Big Sean and anybody else who spoke out against him because some of the chances and some of the outspokenness that he himself had to do got. Niggas like Big Sean and others to the point where they were being taken serious and being hurt. But as soon as he started talking about politics, everybody he helped out or everybody who he was riding for was like, oh, oh we can't fuck with this nigga. So I kind of understand that too. But um, I feel bad for him with the situation with his wife because I'm going to be honest with you, man. I just think, you know, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a, I think it's a woman's nature thing. Kanye, you know, when they said they were divorced, Kanye was dating some fucking supermodel allegedly from Russia. Nobody even knew. Like, nobody knew who this chick was, right? And the whole public perception was not that this woman was, whoever this girl was, was embarrassing Kim K. Like, you know, she was still doing whatever she was doing. But, of course, when it comes to Kim K now, you know, and by the way, she has a right to if they're separated, to see whoever she wants to see. Man, she's not going to get no random bum that nobody knows. Because, like, I, I be telling women this, man. Like, yo, us niggas really wouldn't care if it's a random nigga that nobody knows. But when a woman really wants you, want to get back at you or some shit, women love fucking your biggest op, close friend, another nigga in the same industry as you. You feel me? Somebody with a bigger name. Because, really, they want to one-up on you. 
You feel me? Like, a woman always wants to one-up on you. And I'm, I'm watching this Pete Davidson shit, and I'm like, yo, it looks so embarrassing on Kanye. Kanye looking like Will Smith. Kanye's looking like Will Smith, and I know Kanye is tight about it. Because we're seeing, like, we're seeing, like, some use. Like, why the fuck Pete Davidson got a hickey on his neck? Why the fuck you taking, like, you have four kids to Kanye. Why are you taking these, these, um, um, Hot tub jacuzzi pictures. By the way, she could have rocked out with homie in silence. And by the way, for everybody, I'd be like, oh no, like it, she she's not being public with his paparazzi. Yo, let me tell you this, man. You know how many celebrities that I know that are dating that nobody knows date, and even to the level of Kim K. If somebody don't want to be seen, they know how not to be seen. When you're walking with someone to a car, they see the flash. It's in darkness. They see the flash. They know people are watching them. They're cool with it. Kim K wants it to be known that she with this dude. And I'm going to be honest, it looks horrible on Ye. It's definitely a double standard because when Ye was dating whoever he was dating, I don't think it looked bad on um, um, Kim K at all. But I keep going back to the same fact I keep saying, yo, a woman try to one-up you, man. Like, this is another one, too. If you seen this shit, motherfucking... Little baby and sweetie. Like, now, I'm not absolving little baby, by the way, but let, 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 let's be very clear. Little baby was rumored to have some issues with the Meagles. Rumored, <laughs> okay? There's a lot of rumors going on. I don't know if these are true, but we heard stories of maybe a little kerfuffle with my nigga Offset, a little war words. We saw some posts and deletes. I would even argue that maybe Migos got a song too, kind of, you know, sending some jabs. But it looks like it's a managed situation. Regardless, they were going back and forth a little bit. Now, Saweetie was dating Quavo. They were the relationship goal people. It was like, oh, beautiful. They were like Shade Room's finest. Granted, Sweetie, if you ask me, burnt out when she was like, yo, She's down to have a threesome with another nigga, like, burnt out. But anyway, after the elevator incident, her and um, Quavo separated. When she separated with Quavo, right, you mean to tell me, and by the way, you know, to be fair to her, we did apparently hear that she was with, like, there was some nigga who was in, um, what's the name of that movie? It was on Showtime. That is something with a D. Idris, you know what I'm saying? Nigga, y'all know the guy, man. He, it was a very po- snowfall. You know snow, snowfall? You, you don't know the character snowfall? Google the nigga's name. You know what I'm talking about? Who? No, not like his character name. Idris, Idris, something, something. She was like teaching. She was teaching some nigga how to play piano, or he was teaching her. Like, okay, her dating him, which, by the way, let me tell you this, man. Yo, I always say this, yo. Men, men try not to downgrade in looks. Your damn an injury, yeah. Yo, when, when a man and a woman breaks up, they take two different approaches there next. A man tries to not um, downgrade when it comes to, you know, 
sexuality with a female in terms of how freaky she is, what she might do. Like if you once you, once you date a chick that did a threesome, every other girl got to do a threesome. That's just what it is. Or if like you're with like, and and the way how dudes judge women is weird. You try to upgrade with looks, like it's superficial shit. Sex looks right. That's all you kind of really care about, right? When you're going from your ex to your next, when it comes to women. The only fucking criteria, at least from my lens, appears to be as long as my new nigga is more lit than my old nigga, I'm winning. That's it. You know what I mean? So that probably helps explains why we don't even know who the fuck Quavo has dated since. But of course, sweetie, she's been linked to some top actor. And now she linked to little baby. So the story goes, and salute to Hollywood on lock. This is what they said. That, that, that little baby took Sweetie to a $100,000 shopping spree at Chanel in New York. Okay? Which, by the way, I'm going to be honest with you. Yo, little baby is the king of tricks. Him and Gunna. I really think they ushered in the whole culture. You had the biggest Chanel bag in the store if you want it. I buy you a pair of titties. I buy you like that's been their whole like the whole game since day one. And I love these guys, but they have led with their wallets the whole time. So apparently, he takes on a hundred thousand dollars shopping spree. And I just kind of look at it like this because it's it's odd to me, right? And this is any if you have this conversation with any woman, they're not even gonna understand it. How could you be with Quavo for three years? Know that him and his group had issues, allegedly, allegedly, with Lil Baby. Maybe they were cold, cold beefing, maybe. And when you break up with Quavo, you get with Lil Baby. I just can't understand it. It's only, only women do that type of shit. Now, a nigga will fuck the other girl, but it will only be, women will date. This is why, like, you know, when people say, like, yo, Sometimes you got to watch when it comes to like setting up people. You, they, you ever see a rapper die and they automatically look at the girl? And I always think it's fucked up because it's always like, yo, oh, she set him up. And, and like women kind of take blame a lot in terms because sometimes they're really innocent in that. But to a certain extent, you kind of got to understand it because like who the fuck? Like play this. If me and Leaf, me and Leaf been banging for a long time. If I know Leaf fucking hates a nigga and say me and him, we have the worst falling out. I wouldn't go to be friends with the nigga. I would still dislike the nigga too. Or at the very least, not be cool with it. Women would realize that, yo, you're beefing with somebody who might even want to kill you. And by the way, I'm not saying that was the case with, 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 you know, little baby amigos. Again, this is all alleged. I don't even know if they were really having issues like that. But I'm just giving the bigger picture. Women would see that you were having fucking issues with that motherfucking person. They gonna ride with you. And by the way, when they ride with you, they gonna tell you all type of shit. Like if you ever ask them why they with you, they might even say the dumb shit like, yo, yeah, if that, if something ever happened, I'll shoot that nigga for you. Like they'll they'll act like they so much on your team, but in reality, it's cap. Cause you can't go from motherfucking dating one nigga to dating and fucking his enemy. All in the space of like six months. And and we actually take you serious in terms of you claiming you're riding for somebody, man. That's just ridiculous. So 
Lil Baby, you know, he obviously didn't admit it, right? He said he's single. He ain't comment on or say uh, he's affirming or denying that he actually bought her $100,000 worth of shit. But his baby mama is Jada. I saw her liking shit. So, you know, maybe that's some messy shit going on already. But regardless, I'm only shocked that Sweetie, who was with Quavo, would ever get with anybody who Quavo got any type of issue with. I'll, leave, I'll give you one even further. Do y'all remember the video of Tory Lanez and what's his name? Tory Lanez and Travis Scott. They got into it. it was apparently had some rolling out or something like that. In a trailer, and Tory most infamously said to Travis, he said, nigga, what the fuck we doing? Are we scrapping or are we apologizing? Basically, he's trying to say, nigga, fuck the small talk. Are we fighting or are we going to just apologize? Now, everybody knew that they had issues, right? Because Tory basically said, how could I sound like certain niggas when I wrote for them? Travis Scott felt a certain type of way, like, nigga, you wrote for me. And obviously, you know, Tory was like, yo, I wrote this, whatever, whatever. And they kind of got into it. It got to that tense moment, okay? When somebody filmed that shit, it went on online. From what I hear, they never were the best of friends afterward. Kylie Jenner got a kid for Travis Scott. And come the fuck on. I don't care what Travis is doing. And by the way, you know, remember they were together and then they broke up? This is after birth of Stormy. But only it feels like only the woman you got to explain shit like, Bruh, I know we're not together, but don't be around Tory Lanez. Like, I don't like the nigga. You get what I mean? And by the way, uh, I'm I'm going on the information I know. I don't know they piece it up or nothing like that. But just think about it. Think about when the whole shit happened with Meg Thee Stallion, Tory, and Kylie. Kylie invites Meg, and Meg and Tory... Kylie and Tori was on quarantine radio in a pool. Like, do you know how that boils your fucking blood as a nigga? Your baby mama with the nigga who you fucking hate. She's in a pool on live with her. I'm telling you, only women do shit like that, man. I, I've never seen a nigga do some shit like that. Or maybe it has been done, but I don't see it frequently. We just see it in the industry a lot. Now... Um, I feel like I'm just talking about too much relationship shit. Y'all want to salute to uh, Fetty Wap. Hopefully I get Fetty Wap on the podcast by the uh, end of the year. Fetty Wap is actually, he just did a, a whole little situation or a little interview with my man Fat Joe and, and his show on like Instagram Live. And, you know, he's kind of talking about like what happened to the whole, you know, 1017 movement. You know what I mean? Was it 1017? No, 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 no. Nine, was it 1738? 17, oh yeah, 1738. I was about to say 1942, man. This is how long it's been, man. Yo, but salute to Fetty. He's a Jersey legend, man. Yo, but Fat Joe asked some real questions. He was like, nigga, what the fuck happened to you? Like, it felt like you disappeared. And we hear from Fetty the same story I hear from everybody in the game. And this is my advice to young artists. Watch them contracts you sign. If you ever want to know what happened to Rich Homie Kwan, what happened to Fetty Wap, what happened to, hold on, hold on, who else was really hot that we don't see them again? I'm going to be honest, even Namir, I'm going to give Namir that too. Most of these niggas 
signed the deal, got super hot with the deal, and once after the first and second album, when they started asking questions about the deal they signed and wanted to be their own boss, their career suffered because as an artist, the only leverage you have is, well, until negotiation or renegotiation is complete, I won't drop music. Meg the Stallion, you, you know I make the Stallion's back and forth to court with, you know, her label, Hall Crawford, and was it 1501? I believe that's what they're called. Because Meg knows she can't stay on the sidelines for two years dropping no music. So she wants to put out music. Her labels usually, and labels are usually saying, listen, if we feel you finna leave or you're trying to cut us out of the situation, nigga, we'll get you cold that you have no option but do what we want because we approve when you drop music. So that's why you see Megan Stallion having to take them niggas to court like, yo, put an injunction on whatever they're doing that I could put out music because if Meg don't drop music for two years, she's going to get cold. But think about what, like, Fetty Wap and think about Rich Homie Kwan. Rich Homie Kwan was having an issue with, um, what was the name of the um, record label? God damn it, God damn it. They also signed Wife and Lucci. Think it's a game, entertainment. He claimed that all the money made from my nigga, my nigga, basically went to pay the CEO hella money. The, the person who owned the label used his money to buy houses, all type of other shit. Once he realized that he wasn't getting a lot of the money because a lot of people, and by the way, you know, salute to Meek. Meek ain't the only nigga not getting paid from their music. The majority of these niggas don't get paid for their music, right? So he's just one of the people who admit it. But most artists, when they're not getting paid and they're like, yo, they've seen all the platinum plaques come in, and usually your label buy you a car or something like that, but you're seeing zero money. So you get a fucking Porsche. You get a G-Wagon. You get a Lambo, which is quote-unquote a gift. But also, you just haven't received a check. Like, imagine working a motherfucking at a cookie shop, and instead of them giving the paycheck, they say, yo, we're going to give you like 50 chocolate chip cookies. That's your pay. You'd be like, what the fuck could I do with this? Essentially, you're always dependent on the label. So when these artists start to try to negotiate, and they want to like, yo, let me... I need to get a favorable situation. I got plaques now because, you know, people always show off the plaques. Oh, my single went this crazy. The label, a lot of times the artists say, I'm going to keep my leverage by not dropping music. By the way, Uzi did that too. Uzi, while going back and forth to drama, didn't drop music for two years. You think Uzi took two fucking years or three years to create a new album? No. Uzi did that shit to have some leverage while he was negotiating. Well, I ain't going to drop no music until I get a better deal. Except some of these labels, they're like, well, we'll offer you this. And if you don't take it, fuck it. Don't drop no music anyway. Nigga, you're going to get cold. With Uzi, didn't get cold. Which, by the way, have you noticed? Uzi's back cool with his label. Because he got what he want. And the label also realized, hey, shit, it's going to be a longer play to keep Uzi. So just give this nigga what he want. And, and even if you're getting less now, you'll get more over time. But that's the same case that's going on, if you ask me, with, with um, Fetty. I think, I think Fetty's situation, he was signed to RGF Island, owned by Nick the Grid, then signed to 300 Records. I'll tell you how money works with that. 300 Records 
say after Fetty's like, you know, first album, they're like, oh shit, we want to pick up this option or we want to renegotiate, whatever the case is. And they're going to cut a check, let's say for $3 million. $3 million does not go to Fetty Wap. That's why I keep telling people like Atlantic does not pay Uzi. They pay drama now. Your label or your sub-label, which, you know, in Uzi's case, Generation Now, in um, Fetty's case, is RGF Island. They take the $3 million, and because it's a production deal situation, kind of, they could look at Fetty and be like, hey, Fetty, hey, even though you sold all those records, we didn't recoup, so remember all them private jets and remember all those money we gave you to buy everybody cars? We're going to take all of that off the top. So maybe now they took $2 million, and now it's a million. And then they're going to look at Fetty and they're going to say, well, um, well, we got to get our cut. You know, our cut, we're going to get our little you know, 40% or whatever the case is. Fetty gets $400,000 out of that or 600000 At that point, you're tight because now you're seeing all these plaques. Everybody's talking about you're the biggest, you're a legend, but you're not getting no fucking money from your label. So that's when people usually say, yo, I'm not dropping no more songs because what happens is when a label collects money, like for Generation Now, when Atlantic gave him that big check, they had to deliver um, um, Love is Rage 2, or Eternally Take, actually. Right? They, had, they had to deliver it. So Uzi's like, all right, so y'all just got that big check for some shit I got to deliver. I won't give y'all nothing. Give me a, a better split. Probably the same thing that happened with um, um, Fetty Wap, but we haven't seen the whole thing play out. I'm going to try to get him on here because I have to have a conversation with him. His label owner is definitely talking to me and sending information, basically saying that Fetty fucked up to the and third but it's one of those unfortunate incidents where, like, all these motherfuckers came from, like, Patterson, came from the hood. But listen, man, once I always tell people this. You, you got to know who you do business with. And also, you got to know what type of business you do. You see, when you fund something, those people, they're partners. And a lot of times, they're living in losses. But sometimes when it comes to an artist, and I learned this from Wayno. So it's my guy, Wayno. People don't realize, like, say this, ask this to your homie or ask this to yourself in the mirror. If you have somebody who's funny your career, right, and they're like, yo, listen, as long as I'm paid back, every, for every dollar that, or every $10 that come in, I just want $3.50. You're probably like, all right, cool. Because at first, you're spending their money. You're in debt. You don't even see no money. But let you go sell a bunch of records and let you get a big-ass deal. The same mindset you had that you would split that $10, right? Let's say $10 million come in. That's when you realize when artists is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I know you finance me and everything, but whoa, whoa, whoa. How, how, how come this thing is getting like $4 million? Do you get what I mean? Artists and usually people in entertainment, they don't realize that when you have a true partner with them financing or doing other things for your career, what no matter if it's a dollar or a million or $10 million, they got to get split. So, you know, whatever their issues are, hopefully they get it fixed. But if not, man, come up to the podcast. I want to talk to you about it, all right? Um, Fetty Wap's definitely, he's battling charges of being a drug trafficker. You know, um, he spoke about that briefly. Looked like he's prepared for whatever consequences. But also, like, he's been sending mixed messages. It's not like he's been trying to, like, 
say that niggas should have took the charge for him or niggas should have put him in that position. You know, obviously, you know, he probably, I guess he's a street dude. He's not, he's going to not, he's going to abide by the no snitch clause. So he's going to go down like a gangster, however way that is. But if I'm reading between the lines, he's kind of sending some signals to say, man, I shouldn't even be in this position to get locked up by no feds or for no drug trafficking. I'm a musician. However, such is the case. You get me? Um, I got a, I got a few more topics, and I want to do some just rapid fire, um, non deep dive on these next topics. First of all, the um, Summer Walker and Boosie thing. Summer Walker recently just got a tattoo of her old nigga now turned new nigga on her face. Okay, she was with London on the track. She had a kid with him. She made this whole album called Still Over It. Basically, like, it's like the female anthem of, like, yo, I just was with a, uh, some dog-ass nigga and fuck these niggas. It's like one of those albums, like, I don't know if it's like Keisha Cole-esque, you know what I mean? Or, like, one of those, like, I'm hurt joint. But it's doing really good. Like, women love it. She's not with London Track no more. She's back with some dude she used to be with. But she immediately just got a tattoo on her face of the nigga's name. The nigga, of course, got matching tattoos. He got a tattoo of her name. Foot, nobody gives a fuck about him. Nobody knows him. This led Boosie to tweet out, nigga, we're not believing it for a second that she just got back with this dude and she tatted his name on her face. Keep in mind, she had a baby for London. I think she has a tattoo of London, but I don't, it's definitely on her face. But she just got back with this dude. She tatted his name. Boosie made the, the proclamation that she cheated. It's like, yo, he's been fucking her for a minute, right? And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm inclined to rock with Boosie, man. Yo, this is why I fuck with Boosie. Boosie always give it up what's the obvious. Now, I'm not saying it's necessarily right, but it's fucking self-explanatory. Like, it just makes sense. If you're tattooing a nigga's name who you claim was the ex before your baby daddy who came in between, and you were tattooing his name after just getting breaking up with your baby dad not too long ago. Nigga, you was probably fucking that nigga every time you had issues. I believe Boosie on this, okay? Now, um, Summer Walker hasn't really, like, she's not going to confirm it, but, like, she hasn't really came out and really addressed it. Regardless, man, I'm rocking with Boosie with this, man. I'm sorry. Leaf, come on. You got to believe me. Fucking that nigga, right? Been fucking him, doing the whole shit, man. I'm not believing that shit. Anyway, uh, also, real quick on some sports, man. I was trying to do, do some sports, man. I'm, uh, I've been losing too much on sports, man, and I stopped. Um, but salute to my nigga LeBron. First of all, two things happened with LeBron this week. He had the fight with, or not even the fight. Like, he hit this other player in the eye. The dude was acting like a fucking girl. Like, of course, he was bleeding, which was definitely a bad foul. But, um... He was trying to act like he was trying to fight LeBron. You know what I mean? And I think LeBron did the the best thing. I always got to give credit to a nigga like LeBron and even Jay-Z. Like, at no fucking point in LeBron's life have we ever seen LeBron snap. I'm wondering how much, like, a robot LeBron is. Like, LeBron literally has lived a perfect life. The last scandal about LeBron we've heard was that LeBron, remember he had got a Hummer right before he, got, he left high school? And people were like, is he getting paid? But we've never heard, like, a negative scandal about him. Now, of course, you have certain opinions that are political that people might, you know, not like or like. 
but we've never heard like a scandal about him cheating on his wife, him, him abusing anybody, him being mean to his kids. We just have never heard nothing bad about this nigga. And like in all the moments of sometimes, you know, I can admit, man, at times you snap, you know, and, and when I mean snap in terms of like if somebody's saying something to you, you might just snap and be like, fuck you, bitch ass nigga. Like we've never even had that with LeBron. We've never had LeBron just be human. And I got to give him credit because like the brand he's built, I'm not saying it would come all tumbling down if some of these things were happening. But, like, look at Tiger Woods. Like, yo, Tiger Woods had, like, the whole brand of Nike golf on his back, and then we found out that he had some side hoes, and the shit was over. Like, we just instantly knew, oh, this nigga was not the person who he was portraying himself to be. He's been a fucking fraud. But we look at LeBron, and he's always kept it together. Like, his family life always looks happy. We don't have no side chicks, no nothing. His wife ain't subtweeting him. They're not going through shit. He's not, he's not like a bully to people. He seems nice. He's building schools. And I got to keep it 100 with you. I give that nigga a A-plus for brand management because he's never done anything to make his brand look iffy or shaky at all. Okay? Um, that being said, when I saw the other incident with him, with he's playing basketball, and some people try to call him a snitch for this, as I thought, like, Yo, you, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't if you're LeBron. Like, what do you want LeBron to do? Again, he has a whole brand. What do you want him to do? Like, fucking go, go, go snuff a fan? There's some fans that are heckling him. And I can't imagine, like, you know, I've heard, like, NBA players, like, people will just constantly, like, yo, you suck. Fucking suck. That's why you missed the last four shots. Yo, you, you should be on the bench. Like, you're, you're getting old. You're great. Like, they'll say whatever to you, right? Because they're trying to get you out of it. And, and I guess, like, as an NBA player, you got to, like, deal with it to a certain extent because these guys paid a lot for, like, courtside tickets. So they get to heckle you a little bit. But then this person or these two people in, in Indianapolis went over the line. Like, they, they were talking about his kid. They said, yo, they were wishing death on Ronnie. Like, you know what I mean? They, they were saying that they wish he died in, like, a motor, you know, a motor vehicle accident. And LeBron got the attention of the referee and said, hey, yo, y'all got to get these two people out of here immediately. Y'all got to get them out now. And some people were upset at LeBron for not being able to deal with heckling, but I'm like, yo, LeBron is the most criticized athlete I've ever seen. Like, yo, from everything I've seen of, of like, you know, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan was a, was a selfish, shit-talking, just like he's 20 times a dirty player or like, you know, um, I don't want to characterize his personality or or his moral character, but compare LeBron playing basketball on or off the uh, the court, and when I say on or off the court, even compare LeBron moves off the court compared to Michael Jordan. Yo, they asked Michael Jordan to, to comment on not even fully social issues, but just like politics, like Democrat or Republican. The dude said, "I don't give a fuck." They both buy sneakers. And I see LeBron, like, literally going to bat for, like, so many social issues that's going on that obviously could hurt his brand. He sells sneakers, too. He, he's promoting stuff. He has brands. But, like, he always tries to pick his people. And LeBron still gets criticism, man. I rock with LeBron. And for all that, man, people got to get that nigga a break, man. Honestly. Honestly. Um, lastly, uh, the last two things I did want to touch on, which are super 
You know, and by the way, this is like a trigger warning. Click out of this motherfucking episode right now if, like, you want people who are, like, super triggered off of things that have to do with social issues and social events. You know, we ain't going to pussyfoot around anything. I'm always, I'm a straight shooter. You feel me? Um, number one, I was definitely very happy um, that the three individuals involved in Ahmaud Arbery's death were actually found guilty. Um, they were convicted. They will be sentenced, hopefully, to, at minimum, life of hard labor. Okay? You know, if you don't know the story, and I was just kind of watching videos of the whole situation recently this week. Man, basically, there was some abandoned house, like, in a community that a bunch of people, like, in the last, like, whenever the incident happened, like, in, in the month before, like, everybody was, like, random people were just showing up there. I guess it was a house being constructed. They noticed one guy who they thought was another guy who may have been involved in some burglary stuff. And when I'm talking about these are the fucking vigilant or the vig vigilantes that are in the neighborhood, they thought it was they thought it was Ahmad Aubrey, and then they try to do a citizen's arrest. And obviously, it's just one of those places where like, what's up with the citizens' arrest shit? Like these people thought they were the police. They're trying to take the law into their own hands, and essentially, it was a father and a son and another nigga who basically like literally hunted this dude down, trapped him, allegedly hit him with a car. And basically was wrestling and, and fucking hitting this guy, then eventually shot him to death while he was just obviously probably confused. Like, what the fuck? Why are y'all, like, number one chasing me, following me? Why are y'all attacking me? And why are y'all trying to detain me when I don't know y'all? You know? And, and, and they killed him. And some of, you know, his last moments were even caught on tape. I can't wait for the family to get their justice and salute to the father. You know, while they read, read out the guilty verdicts, I seen the father, like, they try to tell people, like, yo, sh shut up while the verdict's being reached. But as soon as he heard that guilty verdict, that nigga, that nigga said, yes! And I, and you got to imagine how emotional that shit was. So um, I'm definitely glad that went down how it should. You know, in the court of law, like, again, the reason why we, we had a lot of them rights and all, and all that type of shit is that, and to a certain extent, especially when it comes to police officers, yeah, like, I, I still don't believe the law operates how it should with convicting the people who have done wrong, you know? And because of that, it kind of breeds more people who think they could get away with shit if there ain't no goddamn punishment, you know what I mean? So for all those people, um, the three individuals that had to do with Ahmaud Arbery's death, uh, you know, they're convicted, and definitely I know the family going to pursue some type of, you know, um, lawsuit against somebody, right? Hopefully they, hopefully they have some type of restitution or they can find some type of peace in not only the verdict, but what happens afterwards. Now, last thing, which this has been very controversial. Once again, another trigger warning. The uh, case of Kyle Rittenhouse, and, you know, I've I seen people kind of making this like a political, like racial thing when essentially there was no black people involved. It was a bunch of white people. But there were protests. So there was a protest in, in Kenosha, um, Wisconsin. And essentially this 17-year-old, I believe he was 17, um, had an AR-15 like either given to him by somebody else, but like he went to a place, allegedly according to him, to try to prevent people from burning and looting shit, okay? There was a mob. People kind of like got a little agitated. People kind of were around him. Essentially, he ended up killing two people. Now, he was actually found not guilty of anything, okay? Even what people thought he would have been found guilty of, but the judge threw that out before he went to the jury, which is the um, gun possession. Now, I got to be honest with you. 
I actually, and I know people are really trying to make it a racial thing, even though there ain't no black people involved. But I gotta, I understand why people are looking at it like this. Like, for us black folks, like we know if we're in that situation, you're fried. So it's just like one of those things where we're rooting against the nigga. I think because we know if we're in that situ- situation, you're getting a death penalty. So we want it to be uniform, and oftentimes the law is not uniform, right? So when we're seeing, like, examples of, oh, you're just going to dismiss a charge right before it goes to, to the jury? Oh, yo, they had a fucking ballot box. You no, know, it's like a, a little raffle. They had a raffle tickets that they gave him that he could pick his own jurors, right? Obviously, he didn't know who it was, but he got to pick 12 out of the 16 possible jurors. There was four alternates. And I looked at it, I'm like, God damn it. I never heard about niggas getting that option. Be like, yo, hey, you got mad jurors. Reach your hand in the box and pick 12 cards, and those are the people who judge you. But I'm going to keep it real with you. So I told you trigger warning. I agree with the verdict. Okay, let me tell you this, man. Number one, if you have heard me speak within the last recent months, I'm huge on self-defense. Now, I know what you're probably saying. It's not necessarily self-defense with this kid because he brought a gun to a place where he shouldn't have had a gun and this and third. But just overall, let me just say this. And I listened to some of the details of the case. Well, first of all, the statute, the law fucked up by not making it actually illegal for him to have the gun. So it should be illegal for him to have the gun, but according to law, it's not. That's why the charge got thrown out. But I'm going to keep it real with y'all. If if there's somebody with a gun and people are rushing that person and are aggressive enough where it could be even said or thought of that you could possibly take that gun from that person and that person is in legal standing, which means they're either at their home or someplace that they're legally allowed to be. What do you think that nigga got the gun for? It was not for, like, to scare you. He's going to use it. So, again, I'm going to be honest with you. The motherfuckers who rushed him, it's their fault. Like, y'all should have, like, he has a weapon. What do you think he was going to do? He's going to gun butt you? He had a lethal AR-15 in his hand. So, again, when I look at that, that's very unfortunate. That uh, That's an epitome of what, you know, the heat of the moment being agitated, of a lot of testosterone, you know, going back and forth, you're not making rational choices. Listen, for anybody who's watching this, I don't care if the person's racist or not. If you see somebody with a gun, don't dare them to shoot you and rush them. Like, come on now. The nigga kills you, like, don't be the case. You know what I mean? So, again, I really had no problem with that um, verdict. Of course, the, the kid is painted as racist and obviously showing up with Donald Trump in some type of office. It's not going to help that. But I look at it as a straight self-defense case. This wasn't a racial issue. You could say the the riots or maybe why he had a gun. Maybe he thought that, you know, well, I think that's even overstepping the line. Like, maybe he thought that black people were going to be out there looting. But he didn't confront black people. He confronted some white people. So, again, I have no problem with that verdict going down like that, man. That's just what it is, okay? If you see a nigga with a gun, please don't rush him. And and you can't be on video talking about how you're going to take the gun from him. I'm sorry. Like, that is not decoration. So, other than that, not mad at it at all. I, I can't even lie to you. I know some of y'all might be triggered by it, but it is what it is. Okay, I'm a law and order type of person, at least when it comes to that. Anyway, chat. Um, Man, why am I? I feel like I'm on stream. I say I said chat. Uh, I will see you guys here back on Monday. Uh, we're not taking any days off, and this is a decision made by me. 
Spotify has asked if we want to take a week off or whatever the case is because contractually we're allowed that. But I'm choosing to make content for you guys. Okay, you might get a solo episode today. Monday you might get me and three guests. Wednesday you might get me and whoever else. But we're going to keep this whole train moving. And I want to thank y'all for watching. And also please make sure you follow us on our socials. Follow us on Spotify here. We're trying to get our followers up. And um, when you're following us, whenever you're on the app and we drop an episode, you get a notification. You got to hit that notification bell as well, all right? Hey, um, any last words from you, Leaf? Yeah, yeah. Listen, enjoy your holidays and be safe. And um, hopefully we just get some more music. I feel like we're wrapping up in music for the rest of the year. But until then, I'll catch you guys Monday. I'm out. <laughs>